Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, elderly golden retriever. Okay, I'd love to hear more about this, Jordan, because mm-hmm. I've known you for 20 years, which would... You're probably about 18 or 19 when I met you. Mm-hmm. So that would make you a, a very old for a golden retriever. I guess I'm... And again, this there's some dog years math that I haven't done on this. Right. I don't know. What is it? Uh, plus seven if you're below the equator. I don't I know. I think it's about two and a half kilometers to the mile. Yeah, that sounds about right. Unless it's a Canadian dog and then it's meters mm-hmm. for some reason. Hard to say. Right. No, this is just how I feel. This is... When I say I'm an elderly golden retriever, I don't mean like literally. It is just how how I feel. It is my current state. Okay. So you feel like you're literally a, an elderly golden retriever. Yeah. And you know, like, you know, they got a bandana. The fur is not quite so golden. Mm-hmm. Bandana's dirty. Um, maybe they got a weird eye. Uh-huh. You know that it, the owners of an older golden retriever could wash the bandana or get a new bandana. It's not a function of the age of the dog. Or do you think the owners have, has the golden retriever been on some kind of incredible journey? I th- no, I think there's a, I, I, you know, in my mind, the dog that I am in my mind mm-hmm. is so broken down right. that even though the bandana, you know, that he got at the groomers five years ago is filthy, there's just a sense of, fuck it, you know, he's old. They got a little stair stepper thing so I can get on the bed. Right. I probably shouldn't be up there because I have oozing sores. I'm imagining. Well, this oozing sores has overwhelmed all of my imaginings. <laughs> Previously, I had been imagining a situation where he lived in one of those kinds of homes where there's the outline of legs permanently on the sofa, like sort of burned in with a combination of pressure and grease. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of home I'm imagining for this elderly golden retriever that you quite literally are as i understand it. Uh, yeah, no, so this is how i how i feel. And yeah, and i can, you know, in the house in my mind, yes, there's a stained brownish couch. Mm-hmm. Maybe TV still got rabbit ears. It's sure. just turned to static all the time. One swinging <laughs> light bulb. Yeah. No, i am You live in what they call a hot plate house. <laughs> right. There's a stove, but fuck it, you know. Yeah. What am i the monopoly man? No, why and why it. why use a pan when you can just open up the top of the can and put it right down on the hot plate? Thank you, exactly. I have, as listeners to this program know, and love to hear about, mm-hmm. I am a part of a swim team. It is one of the cherished five topics of Jordan Jesse Go. Sure. And whenever I bring it up, people go wild. People go apeshit. People write me letters. How come you haven't talked about Jordan's swim team lately? Right. It's been two episodes. How are things going over there at the Aquatic Center? (laughs) Right. So the swim team has instituted a new new swim. There's a new little block of time where you can go. 
Oh, okay. I thought you meant that they had invented a new type of swimming, oh, a new like stroke? in addition to the breaststroke and the crawl and so forth. Yeah, and then there's the scream swim, <laughs> where you just pop up. Wah, wah. <laughs> okay, so there's a new block of time. That was one of Bobby Boris Pickett's follow-ups to the Monster Mash. Was the Monster <laughs> Swim? That's real. <laughs> We should have our own history podcast, Jordan. <laughs> the market's cornered. The market's cornered. Listing follow-ups to novelty songs. <laughs> sure. Let's twist again like we did last summer. So the swim team has instituted a new time where you can go. Previously, it was there's an afternoon swim, there's an evening swim, and then there was a morning swim that started at 5.30 a.m. You know, and I just can't. I just can't. I couldn't. I wanted to be 5.30 a.m. guy. I'm not 5.30 a.m. guy. Right. But the new swim is at 6.30 a.m. Turns out I can be 6.30 a.m. guy. I believe in you, Jordan. It involves getting up at 10 till 6, hopping in the car by 6. 6.10 is okay, too. I can be in the water by 6.30. And I've been doing it the past couple days. The feeling... After you get out and get home and get that, you know, cup of coffee in your hand around, you know, 745, it's amazing. My body is made of electricity. Uh-huh. I am, I feel godlike. Sure. I feel like I could bend the universe to my will. The feeling when you have exercised at the beginning of the day is so amazing. Until around 4 p.m. when I just feel like absolute shit and want to go to bed. I feel like an elderly golden retriever covered in sores with a filthy ass bandana in a fucking swinging light bulb house. And I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to just close my eyes and drift off. Jordan, we're going to have to get you some joint chews. That's the answer here. What are those? <laughs> it's some chews that for your for the health of your joints. It's supplements no. for the health of your for older dogs such as yourself. Man, is this going to be a thing where you're going to have to hide pills in ham and give them to me? Are <laughs> you going to have to roll up pills <laughs> Jordan, in ham? I hate to tell you, buddy. That's your responsibility, by the way. <laughs> I hate to be the one to break this to you after 20 years of friendship, but mm-hmm. all that ham you've been eating, the ham that I hand you, well, yeah, it's had pills in it this whole what? fucking time. What? A hundred percent, it's been full of pills. I'm... That is pill ham. Why did you think the ham came in nuggets rather than flat sheets? The first ham I ever had was the ham you gave me. I assumed that was all ham. All well, ham's not like maybe that. Maybe you should have gone somewhere else at some point and tried out a different ham. And then ask, why? why is this ham coming flaps instead of nugs? A guy's just handing it to me. Why am I going to go to a <laughs> place and get it? That's true. And I'm giving you quality shit. I go to Boy. the Honey Baked. Once a week, I go to Honey Baked. And- yeah. What are the pills? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Whatever I can find. Whatever wow. I can scrounge up around the house, you know? Jesus Christ. Man, my whole world. I have to reevaluate some shit. Should we bring our guest onto the program? Because I'm very to. excited. Me I'm too. very excited to this have this guest on our show. He is just one of the funniest dudes there is. He's an alumnus of Saturday Night Live. He was once, I mean, Jordan and I were talking about this the other day, and 
I know our guest, he probably doesn't remember this part of our conversation when, when he came on my show 10 years ago, but I literally think that his character, Dr. Spaceman, might be the funniest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. Up there. You probably know him as a, as a voice actor. He's one of my co-stars on the television show, Archer. You had that one line? No, I had like three or four lines, Jordan. Oh, okay. I had like three. Did you not watch it when I was on Archer? Sorry, I'm just still mad about the ham thing. Okay. It's going to take you're me a while. You're just putting me down. You did watch I it. I didn't and mean to. No, that was, that was, I didn't. You watched it and now you're being a dick to me. Our guest I'm on the not, program, he's to. the host of the brand new podcast, This Job is History, Mr. Chris Parnell. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Chris, Jesse and I have both been enjoying your great new history podcast. I was wondering, listening to it, were you like a history guy going into this? Are you are you one of those like give me that sweet history dudes or? <laughs> well, I, in in all honesty, not necessarily, but you know, it's like if something comes up in the paper that I'm reading, uh, you know, or involves something historical that is of interest, I'm, you know, I'll read about it. But I can't honestly call myself a history buff, but. I've learned a fair bit about it doing this this podcast. Chris, I'm concerned that you think that the place to read about history is in the newspaper, which is exact. I mean, technically, it's the first draft of history. Mm. So I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> but usually it's about stuff that happened yesterday, <laughs> Chris. Well, it's true. But now, now, like, newspapers have an archive of... <laughs> Of, you know, sometimes going back a hundred years. Are you on newspapers.com, Chris? Are you doing <laughs> searches for the names of 19th century baseball players or something? <laughs> if not a history guy, what sort of guy were you in high school and college? What were your like, I'm getting interests things? Well, you know, I was I, in high school. I was a high school theater guy. I was in the theater department and we also had a television studio. So I was involved with that as a as an anchor and as a director and wow a high school i always thought high school tv studio was just something that happened on high school shows to give them plots i (laughs) never knew high schools actually had had that what what was it what were you guys doing well we one of the most exciting things to me to do was we covered the uh the friday night football games and we would have a jeep that rolled up and down the sideline you know on the track part of the field and a camera in there. We'd have a camera and two announcers up top of the like the press box. So they had a good view of that and they'd swing around and then get the the commentators, which were also high school guys. And then we had a whole truck set up where I was the director for a couple of years and you know, we had tape inserts and titles and wow. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was pretty cool. What the fuck high school did you go to? <laughs> did you go to Fox Deportes High School? <laughs> ESPN five is where you went to high school. <laughs> yeah, that's why I definitely remember like the episodes of Saved by the Bell where they had a radio station because of a plot line and then you never heard of that radio station again. <laughs> Yeah, my school didn't even have a football team. No. My school all the clubs at my school were novelty clubs because people found out that you could get $200 if you started a club for club activities. Really? Yeah. What was one of the novelty clubs? Can well, you I was the president of the Dr Pepper Club. I'm not here to brag, but that's just reality. <laughs> what'd you do with the? What? What'd you do with those ill-gotten two hundred dollars? I mean, what the fuck do you think we did with it? Jordan? It was the Dr Pepper Club. <laughs> <laughs> In 1996 or whatever, how much Dr Pepper was two hundred bucks? I mean, a pretty good amount, and we had a pretty 
broad collection of fake Dr. Peppers as well. We would encourage students. You oh, also yeah. got to put something in the announcements sometimes. So we would encourage students to bring us generic Dr. Peppers from around the world. Dr. Star and... Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Dr. Becker. Colonel Tasty. <laughs> Wait, is Dr. Becker, is that is that a type of fake Dr. Pepper or is that just Ted Danson in the yeah, like, late 90s, early 2000s? Ted Danson <laughs> between Cheers and The Good Place was Dr. Becker. <laughs> and what did you do in these meetings? Did you just sit around and sample other beverages? Yeah, well, we would have Dr. Peppers there and then we mm-hmm. we would get the movie cart. You know how in uh, high school there's a VCR yeah. that's yeah. connected to a television. It's all in a giant cart with a big earthquake of strap. Of course, of course. So we would get that rolled into the classroom. You needed a teacher to be in charge of the club, okay. and there was this real nice student teacher named Mister Crawford, and he was willing to do it. He was really into uh, uh, Love and Rockets and the Shirelles. That was <laughs> women's studies oh, major, Mister Crawford. Combination. Nice guy. But yeah, we would we would wheel that movie cart in. We'd put on airplane or whatever. Have some Dr. Peppers. <laughs> plan our next caper. Delightful. But your school, what other professional level operations were being run at your? Well, first of all, Chris, where what high school is this? Where did you go to high school? This is Germantown High School in the city of Germantown, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. So what? else was going on at this high school? Was it just a function of this high school was the size of a small city? And so there was... Well, you know what happened? We When cable TV was just becoming a thing, or at least in, in our community it was, MTV was just coming out. And part of the wheeling and dealing that secured the contract for Cablevision, which was the company that got the contract in Germantown there, was to put a studio in the high school. That was part of what you know won them the deal. And my theater mentor and director, Frank Bluestein, you know, he had a lot of knowledge about the video stuff, too. He, he taught a class called Mass Communications. And so he, you know, was clearly the guy to, to lead it. And, yeah, and it just uh, it sort of grew, you know, and we would they would have to sort of, you know, go to the city and, and try to get more money each year to upgrade the cameras and the switcher and the you know, all the electronics and things like that. But uh, yeah, it, it, it grew and grew. It was quite an impressive place. And then we, we also did, um, you know, I think every high school thinks this, but we, we really did some pretty amazing theater productions. And I only can say that with any confidence at all because we got invited multiple times to the International Thespian Conference in Muncie, Indiana. Hey, and that's the heart of thespianism across the yeah. world. That's right. You can make that's it right. in Muncie. <laughs> can, <laughs> can make it in Duluth. <laughs> that's for right. Lawrence Olivier, of course. Make it in Bozeman. <laughs> we did our show that year. We did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We did the opening night show. You know, it was a big hit. And then, you know, we got to see shows that the other schools did. And, you know, and they were good, but they didn't compare to ours. No. You know. I got to tell you this, Chris. I didn't know about this International Thespian Society. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say, I don't mean to be vulgar here, but that sounds like a real fuck fest. Like that really sounds like at the end of the day, what you are just, what I am hearing from you, this sounds like a fuck fest. You know, it might have been for some students, but I was, uh, I was a bit of a goody two shoes. So I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't have any of the sex in those years, sadly. Were you a goody two shoes, you know, because of a religious upbringing exactly oh okay that's exactly why i was i got it in one you got it in the first guess yeah i was i grew up southern baptist so i was a i was a born-again christian atheist now 
but yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to incur the wrath of God. And so I didn't drink. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's got some serious wrath. Yeah. Was it going on around you and you were just like abstaining and kind of feeling above it all? Or was that just like the crowd you ran with? No, you know, it was a public school. The school I had gone to prior to that was called Southern Baptist Educational Center. <laughs> oh, SBAC, sure. Yeah. We'll come up with a better name later, they said, and they just never changed it. That's the placeholder name. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm sure it was going on everywhere, but I, I was fairly oblivious. I had the opportunity for sure, and I, I regret that I wasn't more open to those experiences um, at a younger age. Even today, at the age of 41 years old, I have no confidence that if I had not been a straight guy at an arts high school in the theater department, I would ever have kissed a girl, ever had the opportunity. Oh. Like, without that leg up, I don't think I ever would have made it. But here I am, married to my hot girlfriend from high school. Well, are you really? Son of a gun. Look at that. Yeah. We made out in Mr. Crawford's class one time. Wow. <laughs> Jordan. Congratulations. Sure. You, have a, you know, you have a little too much Dr. Pepper. It goes to your head. <laughs> yeah. The inhibitions go down with those 23 herbs and spices. <laughs> I'm thinking That's... of Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think. <laughs> I think you are. Yeah. Wait. So what was your role in the football broadcast? I know that sometimes you were in the truck. Were you ever, were you ever doing color or play-by-play? Were you on camera? No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know nearly enough nearly enough about the sport or sports in general to be a commentator. But um, the first year we had it, I I quickly learned how to use the titler, which is literally the thing that puts electronic titles up. Very simple back then. I had a computer at home. I had an Apple II Plus. And so, I, you know, I knew how to do a little simple basic programming on that. So learning the titler, that seemed like an easy entry point. And so I became the titler guy. And then you know, I, I was very involved in the studio, and the next year I got to I got to direct the whole shebang. I'm worried, Chris, because now that I've heard about your goody two-shoes teenage years, <laughs> I'm worried that you had access to this titler and you never just took a shot of someone you didn't like and wrote boner on it or whatever. <laughs> in addition to fearing the wrath of God, I feared the wrath of Mr. Bluestein. I did not. Sure. You did not. Because yeah, also, God's th- probably number one wrath. Bluestein's top three, though. Yeah, I mean, he, and also because the broadcast was actually going out to all the cable subscribers in Germantown. So it was, a, it was live football coverage. And I would never have put Boner on the title or I just. <laughs> Not even like hard on instead? No, there was no place for that. Jesse, come on. You're right there underneath your enemy's face. No, no. In big yellow letters from the titler machine no. is where it would be. I couldn't never, never. Yeah, during the football game, crowd shot. <laughs> what were some of your roles that you look back on in the theater department? What are some of the faves? Well, I, um, I got to be a munchkin and an Emerald City citizen in The Wiz. We did a production of The Wiz. Hey. We got to do Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. I was mm-hmm. the brother Judah. But we also did some plays. We did a play called The Diviners, and I got the lead in that. He was sort of a, a preacher, interestingly enough, who was sort of having some questions, I think, about his faith and where he fit in his family lineage of pastors. Do you think that's where it started for you, kind of questioning your upbringing? Was it that play? Is that when you're like, maybe (laughs) maybe I don't want my parents' life? Well, you know, I I had questions throughout high school. The older I got, the more I just like, it just, I couldn't quite get it to compute, you know, the whole 
religion and God and everything. And, uh, and it just kind of kept going until I eventually realized, oh yeah, I don't, I don't believe that Jesus was the savior. He was a teacher. And, you know, if you take that cornerstone away from Christianity, it all kind of crumbles, but you know, you can still live a life of, of love and kindness and caring for other people. Disagree. <laughs> disagree. Um, Hard disagree. <laughs> it is tough wrestling with your faith as a high school theater kid because you probably will have to be at least in one religious 70s rock musical at some point. <laughs> and that <laughs> brings up so many questions. I know. Well, we had Joseph, you know. Yeah, yeah. sure. I think that being in the Diviners, a play about the lineage of a group of, the well, the things that Chris just said, is a perfect example of the kind of ambition of a certain sort of theater teacher who is teaching 16-year-olds and wants them to play ethically conflicted 62-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> wants them to know about literally anything other than cartoons <laughs> and just sort of general horniness, like not even just a broad horniness. <laughs> Yeah, there are just some like easy home run plays you can give high school kids. Yeah. Like, you know, our Bye town. Bye Birdie. Oh, yeah, Our Town. My favorite yeah, play. Our Town, I would say, is like about as high level as you want to give a high school kid. I did, I did Our Town in yeah. high school. Doc Gibbs. Oh, nice. A small but very important role. It is. Mm -hmm. Thank you. But yeah, when the when the teachers start wanting you to do... Like, God, we did, they gave us Macbeth in high school. Wow. It's like, come on, you know, like, how about one of the funny ones, huh? <laughs> Macbeth? We got a guy that knows how to do a forward roll. Can we do Midsummer Night's Dream? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it is it is that kind of like super ambitious theater teacher that kind of gets you to get you to punch above your weight class. Miss Constantino, that was ours. I had no ability to understand my own emotions, much less portray the emotions of others, much less portray them through the lens of Brecht's V effect. You know what I mean? Like the third level was two levels beyond what I could do. I was like, can I just, can I just do a Monty Python accent and be done? There you go. <laughs> yeah, we did. Maybe our big hit of high school was noises off and oh. like, just like let the high school kids be kind of. PG-13 sexual, mm -hmm. let them do what they think a weird British accent sounds like. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Somebody's pants fall down, there's heart boxers. It's like a little bit, it's a little randy, but, you know, as nasty as it's going to get is a look at some heart boxers. That's right. Well, you know, this will date me, but I saw I saw that on Broadway. I actually got to see that on Broadway in the, oh, yeah? in the original production. Yeah. Whoa, cool. Who was in the original production? Oh, I couldn't tell you. It was a long, long time ago. I guess I'm thinking of the movie with Christopher Reeve and like, maybe that's who it was. No, it probably wasn't. I think it was George Clooney in the original, but it was George Clooney, Julia Roberts. Uh -huh. <laughs> Big theater actors of that day. And um, wait, no, I'm thinking of that movie with the Vespas. That's that movie with the Vespas on the poster. Might be that Sorry. Vespa movie. Not the original probably production of Noises Off. Yeah. Chris, were you to return? And I don't know if you, how much stage work you do, but. I was going to say, if you ever were to return to the stage, is there any of those like classic theater parts that you would want to play? I think Jesse has been very vocal about wanting to play Harold Hill hmm. at some point in his life. Yeah. Do you have that? Do you have a Harold Hill of like, oh, this is, I would love to do this? Um, you know, I really haven't done much 
theater theater since college. You know, I did the Groundlings, and so I was doing sketch and improv there. You know, I used to want to do the character of Edmund from King Lear, but I think I'm way too old to play Edmund anymore. It would be fun maybe to try a Shakespearean role because I haven't, like I said, I haven't done that since college. Actually, I did. I did do a little. I did do a little Shakespeare shortly after college, but I don't know. I, Our Town is my favorite play ever. That's I can't watch is that. It? Yeah, I can't watch that play without just at a certain point, you know, falling apart in tears. It's just I find it so moving. Is it whenever Doc Gibbs speaks? <laughs> <laughs> this is Doc why Chris Gibbs. has a lifelong passion for phosphates. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's when Emily goes back, when she, Emily dies and she goes back and he says, just pick the most ordinary day there is. It'll be more than enough. And she goes back and sees her life. She's like, does anybody ever realize life while they live it, how wonderful it is? And the stage manager says, you know, saints and the poets, maybe, you know, but not consistently, not all the time. But I don't know. It's just one of those. It's one of those plays that if I think of it, it, it helps me to at least try to be more present. That's how I feel about Noises Off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just that moment when the pants fall down. Yeah. The you see those heart boxers. <laughs> you, you burst into tears. Yeah. Because I think of all the times, you know, my pants fell down and my heart boxers were visible to everyone. But I, I was like, my mind was somewhere else. I couldn't be there with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But you also made your pants fall down on purpose all the time, right? Yeah, no, sure. And I mean, besides the on purpose, I mean, I don't have a belt. Mm. I put so much stuff in my pocket. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> right. Yep. It's not on purpose, but it's sort of my fault. Yeah. Well, you got to have your multi-tool in there. You got to have eight bucks and change. What if you stop at a parking meter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I carry my fishing weights in there. Right. <laughs> A monster energy drink. <laughs> I guess you need a little pep around 3 p.m. You know what? I got a monster and a Red Bull in there usually. Wow. Nice. Oh, yeah. Because I like the different form factors. Right. And then, I, as I said, I got the fishing weights. Right. I got those ankle weights that you wear when you do aerobics. Sure. I got steps in case I want to do step aerobics. Wow. And then I fill the rest with water for ballast <laughs> because I don't know how ballast works. Right. You think you need it in your pants. So, okay. yeah, I think ballast is water you put in your pants on land. Right. <laughs> it's what it's I pa- believe. Ballast is pants water, okay? We don't need <laughs> Everybody knows okay. that. End of the day, it's simple science. Simple science. <laughs> Look it up in the goddamn encyclopedia on your pants water. You guys want to change our uh, heart boxers and uh, come back for a little bit more? Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I'm looking over the horizon, Jordan. Guess what I'm seeing? Something beautiful? The Max Fun Drive. You bet it's something beautiful. <sighs> yeah, it is. We have a special project that we've been working very hard on mm-hmm. that if you listen to Jordan, Jesse Go, you're going to be very excited about. I'm not going to spill the beans. No, don't spill them. Keep those beans in your pants. That's where you're keeping the beans before you spill them, right? Yeah. Pants I'm full of beans. Just can't lose. I got all these all these beans in my pants. Beans in my pants, and I got to dance, as they say. Mm-hmm. They do say that. Do a little bean dance. But thanks to the members of Maximum Fun for making this show possible. 
you can join Max Fund right now at maximumfund.org slash join, or you can wait a few weeks for the Max Fund drive, get some sweet, sweet prizes. But that's what keeps the light on here at Jordan Jesse Go. We're also supported this week by the folks over there at Stitch Fix. Know that feeling when your clothes fit just right? Yeah. That's that Stitch Fix feeling. Mm. Ooh, are there beans in my pants or am I just wearing <laughs> Stitch Fix? No, you'll feel like there's beans in your pants even when there's not with Stitch Fix. Yeah. Seriously, though, get some beans and put them in your pants. Yeah. And hey, if you get those pants from Stitch Fix, they're going to feel great. Beans or no, here's what you do. You go to stitchfix.com slash JJGo. You take a super fun quiz about where you typically get your clothes, what you like to wear, your price range, and then a real live style expert on the other end of stitchfix.com will send you a box of curated clothes. They got a wide range of sizes from XS to 3XL. These clothes are going to fit you. They're going to look great. It might be some surprising stuff that you maybe wouldn't necessarily pick out for yourself. But once you put it on, you're like, oh, heck yeah, I should have been wearing this the whole time. You've had the experience, Jordan, you put on a pair of pants. Yeah. You're like, where do the beans even go? Right. But then you step outside and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, I get it. These are bean pants. These are bean pants. Get your next pair of bean pants. Hey, this is funny. From Stitch Fix, I got a pair of green pants the other day, and I love them. Oh. And that rhymes with bean pants. Well, it sounds like you got yourself some green bean pants. That's Some haricovers. <laughs> as they say in France. <laughs> yeah. Right now, Stitch Fix is offering our listeners $20 off their first fix at stitchfix.com slash JJGo. That's stitchfix.com slash JJGo for $20 off today. Stitchfix.com slash JJGo. We're also supported by the folks at Lumi Labs. Those are the microdose people, Jordan. Yeah, they got these microdose gummies that deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Hey, if you've ever tried an edible, you know that they can be unpredictable. If you don't mess around with THC on the reg, sometimes those edibles can be super strong, but not the microdose gummies. It is a great amount of THC. Helps you chill out, helps you wind down. I like to have a little nom at the end of the day to relax before bed. Lots of fun situations to use your microdose for. Whether you're watching Los Spookies or watching Los Spookies. <laughs> These microdose gummies are going to be perfect. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of great HBO programming is enhanced by microdosing. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. Use code JJGO to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links are also in the show description. But again, that is microdose.com. Code JJGO. And uh, hey, while we're on the topic of things to put in the mouth... I have a food-related comic book that I think that people might like to pick up. It's called Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. It's from the good folks at Archie Horror. That's right. 
all your favorite Archie Comics characters put into totally fucked up horror scenarios. I wrote a story for this with the great artist Liana Congas. It's a very fun, spooky romp through Riverdale's favorite diner. It's at March 22nd, and you can pre-order it now. Get it on that poll list. Pre-ordering comics is helpful to the people who make comics. So, uh, yeah, if you want to support the Archie characters getting killed in horrible ways, <laughs> head over to your local comic book store and tell them you want Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors coming out March 22nd. Jordan, a lot of people don't know this. Yes. Riverdale's second favorite diner hmm. is just a Red Robin. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the folks at Riverdale appreciate an unlimited fry basket. We'll be back just in a just good a second on Jordan, Jesse, go. They love a value in Riverdale. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Oh, uh, Chris Parnell, uh, Londoner about town. He is, folks. He's got his uh, his brelly. Jaunty cap. <laughs> brawly. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a brawly? Picture of the queen and he's always kissing. <laughs> why, are you, why do you keep kissing the queen, Chris? Oh, she, you know, I loved her. I kind of can't great. stop thinking about her. She <laughs> right? wasn't perfect. She sure. wasn't perfect. No. But, who, but who is? But who among us is? Fair enough. Hey, thank you, Jordan. Thank I got to say this to you, though, Chris. Like, obviously, we all... Love the queen. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. And we all carry a picture of the queen to kiss. To kiss. It's not. It's a given. It's a given. I'm looking at our producer, Daniel. He's nodding. Yeah, that's normal. Right. I just think it's weird that your picture is from after she passed away. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that they like parade her around so everyone can remember what a great queen she was. And celebrate her life. And I'm sure people took pictures of her lying in state or whatever. But that's a weird picture to carry around to kiss. You know, that's how I want to remember her. Right. (laughs) Dead. (laughs) Sir, how still she was. (laughs) At peace. Finally at peace. peace. Finally Finally at at peace. peace. Not carrying the weight of a nation on her shoulders. Yes. Rest. Thank you. Rest easy. Queen one. (laughs) (laughs) Not carrying the weight of a nation on her shoulders and the jewels of India on her head. Right. (laughs) The stolen jewels of foreign lands. R.I.P. She taught me it was okay to be weird. (laughs) Can I say this about the queen? Sure. (laughs) A fucking real one. Yes. No bullshit with her. Make God laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hashtag make God laugh. Make God laugh. Hashtag the queen. Okay. Chris, for your information, yes. what we do on this show, every episode, we have people give us a call at 206-984-4FUN, and they share with us momentous occasions from their lives. Daniel is going to play one of those calls right now. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and guests. This is Michelle in Oregon calling with a momentous occasion. This Saturday afternoon, I was standing in my driveway texting my friend that I would be on my way shortly. With my back to the street. The street is completely silent. No kids playing. No dogs barking. No cars driving by. Completely quiet. When I hear something shatter behind me. And I turn around. And there is a crow in the middle of the street. Standing next to a broken ashtray. (laughs) Nothing else. 
No one's on the street. There's no one here. It's completely quiet. Nothing's moving. Just a crow and a broken ashtray. Fucking crow came home drunk again. Yeah. I think it was an omen. I was trying to tell her to stop smoking, right? Chris, I was just going to say omen. Yeah. I think it's an omen to start smoking. You think? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, it means like fucking crows are challenging you. You know? I think if that were the case, the ashtray would have stayed intact, but you might be right. You know, mm, you, omens I aren't mean, clear cut. You probably have a few ashtrays, Chris, right? Uh, I, I do not have any ashtrays. Do you smoke? I do not. Oh, well, there you go. It's a sign that you should start smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Ipso facto. The absence of the ashtray is the... Look it up in the goddamn encyclopedia, Parnell. <laughs> Your logic is undeniable, Jesse. <laughs> Chris, have you ever had a notable vice? A notable vice. Um, I, I guess my biggest vice is, you know, I like whiskey, but I, it's good. You know, I keep good. that in check, check pretty well. I don't like to get inebriated, but I just quite like the taste of a nice bourbon or rye or scotch. What are we talking about? You getting a Japanese one or something? You know, I I was doing some Japanese whiskeys for a while, and then they sort of got away from me. And I, you know, I just, I I don't have a handle on what's out there in the Japanese whiskey world right now. That's so fucking embarrassing, Jordan. Why do we keep booking these guests on our show? Sorry. I mean, if you want to teach me, I'm open to learning. No, that's not what this show is, Chris. (laughs) Chris, just just say like, like you're over Japanese whiskey and like you're into the Scandinavian shit now. I don't know if that's a thing, but... Just if you said it with confidence, people would just believe that the new shit is Scandinavian and that they're chumps for drinking the Japanese stuff. I mean, it's kind of true. The Japanese whiskey is, is yeah, kind of Yeah, it's a little, yeah, a little. But have you have you tried a Scandinavian whiskey? Oh, God, the Scandinavian shit. Oh, oh it's man. so smoky. Is that? Ooh. Sorry, yeah. guys. I spaced out for a minute. Is Scandinavian the new thing? Because I was. Oh. <laughs> Wait, were you? Are you drinking? Get on board, Jesse. Oh, God. I've been Are drinking. Are you still drinking the Japanese stuff? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh I God. went to Japan. This I got guy. a ticket. I have a whiskey vacation planned. How do you do a show with him, Jordan? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. In Japan. Ooh, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Oh, man. Okay. God. You know what this whiskey tastes like? Hmm. Hi, you know why? Because hmm. all over my fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> In your giant pants. <laughs> <laughs> your giant loaded water filled pants. Heavy pants. I mean, my pants. I want to be clear, guys. My pants are medium. Oh. It's just that I don't have a belt. My pockets are heavy and I've lost some weight. The pandemic, it's affected us all differently. For me, I lost a little bit of weight because I was, instead of eating from anxiety, I was not eating from anxiety. So I lost some weight. And between that, I don't have a belt. Of course, I keep the water in my pockets. I used to use a rope for a belt, but I lent it to a friend. But it's against your religion, right? I assume that you don't wear a belt or any fastenings around the waist anymore? Right. Yeah. Part of my religion is a contempt for fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Zoroastrian. If the pants be clinched, God cannot see the nethers, they say. (laughs) Oh, Jordan, can I tell you something? Hmm. God saw my nethers and he was wrathful. (laughs) Chris, how does the, how does your 
let's go through this vice. Is it like, yeah. do you do you do a little on the rocks at the end of the night? Do you like a cocktail? Are you making a cocktail at home? You know, I typically just drink it with a little ice. <sighs> Fucking class act. Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I bought some, I bought some really good. There's like this uh, Pappy Van Winkle old fashioned mix, which is quite tasty. Mm-hmm. It's like a pre-made thing. You can just right. add it to you your, your, your whiskey. It's pretty good, but it's, you know, I just, if, if you got a nice whiskey, why, why mess with it? You know, that's yeah. kind of my attitude. I'm with Chris on this. Whenever I'm in Scandinavia, <laughs> <laughs> which I am, I got a Scandinavian vacation coming up. So good for you. Thank you very much. So we were talking before we went on the air, I was listening to your new podcast, This Job's History. And I was listening to one about milkmen and I learned about milk stretching. <laughs> Jordan, you know about milk stretching? No, I've not heard the milk stretching episode. Please let me know. <laughs> well, like it's going down with all this. You know how white bread was invented because people kept making bread with sand. <laughs> no, this is all all yeah. This is all new information. Okay, so like in the early days of bread, <laughs> right? When people first started not late nineteen eighties, <laughs> not having a personal relationship with their bread person mm-hmm. or baker, as I call it, right? Like when cities first got invented for real in the like late 19th century, bakers would add sand to their wheat Mm. to stretch it further. And one of the great innovations of industrial white bread was that your bread being industrial and white demonstrated there was no sand in it because otherwise there is probably some sand. It was really just a matter of how much sand, you know. Sort of like my pockets. <laughs> and with milk stretching, the assertion in your program that I found most fascinating, Chris. Yes, please. Was not that there was rampant corruption in the milkman industry. It was not even that one of these forms of corruption was known as milk stretching, mm-hmm. which involved watering down the milks like the drinks at a bad bar. Yeah. It was the claim that the milkman on your show, because the show is you talking to historical job havers, mm-hmm. claimed that some people like it better. You know, I uh, I think he was telling the truth. He seemed like an honest guy. I don't know that I've ever had, you know, just like raw cow's milk, you know, with all its fat and... All of that. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe with a little lot water mixed in there, it's a little, you know, it goes down a little easier. I don't know. Chris, I got an idea for your next Scandinavian vacation. No, please. Let's get you some milk straight out of the teat. Well, you know, the, the good thing is I don't even think I'd have to go to Scandinavia to encounter a cow that produced milk. No, it's that's like a Scandinavian thing. A lot of great teats right here in the good old U.S. of A. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Let's support U.S. cows. A teat-filled nation, it is. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Chris, as an Apple II Plus owner, mm-hmm. by the way, I myself had an Apple II Plus. Shout out to the Apple II nice. Plus. Nice. Great computer. Nice. Whether you go to some crazy rich kid high school with its own television station <laughs> or whether your mom went to the used computer show at the Cow Palace <laughs> with a friend of hers that knew about computers. Either way, the computer to get is the Apple II Plus. You're going to want to get Print Shop 2. That's the latest print shop available for it. How early were you on the internet? Um, my family had CompuServe, I think it 
it was. Okay. So your email address was just a long string of numbers. No, I, I don't. I didn't. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't have an email address, and I don't know that. I'm not sure that there were email addresses at that point. This would have been like seventy-eight, seventy-nine, I think. So I don't think email oh, wow. was a thing yet. So you were for real on CompuServe. We're not talking about CompuServe in the era when it was an alternative to America Online. No. We're talking about heavy-duty message board kind of stuff, as I remember. And, and I, may, I may have the name wrong. I think, it was, I think it was an early version of CompuServe. Did you ever accidentally set off war games? <laughs> <laughs> Concerned. I did not. It could happen. But I love playing games on the computer. It came with this great basic program called Lemonade Stand, where you... You would get a little weather forecast, and then you would decide how, how many lemons and how much sugar you wanted to buy. And then the next day, you would have your lemonade stand, and then based, you would see what the weather did. And, you know, you try to sell as much lemonade as you can and make as much money. But it, was, it was a very fun game. It came with a computer. It's been all downhill for video games. <laughs> yeah. I think that's as good as it got. <laughs> Jordan, I mean, I know you're a big gamer. Mm-hmm. Chris and I are sort of bigger gamers with Chris's <laughs> background in Lemonade Stand and my background in the IBM PC XT game Trucker, <laughs> where you just chose what speed you drove. And then sometimes it would say, Smokey's on your tail. <laughs> we have been asking our listeners to email us at jordanjessego at AOL.com, which sounds like a joke email address, but is a real email address that Daniel really set up somehow. Nice. And tell us their embarrassing tales from the early days of the internet. They're all anonymous. This one comes from an anonymous letter writer. I'm 40. So we had a family computer when I was in about eighth grade. Prime discovering my body age. Anyway, I was very concerned about the size of my penis. I asked Jeeves and he <laughs> provided. <laughs> hey, Jeeves, dick too big? <laughs> <laughs> How big is Dick Too Big, Jeeves? Jordan, given the opportunity, what early search engine would you choose to check your dick size? <laughs> Gosh, I think I I think it was 2005 before I learned that there was anything other than the search bar at the top of AOL. <laughs> you weren't on dogpile.com, you weren't no, using Alta uh-uh. Vista, you weren't on the directory at Yahoo clicking through the tree of choices until you finally found the dick size website with the cool sunglasses next to it. <laughs> right. I remember Alta Vista or Alta Vista. I'm not sure how to say it. I kind of remember yeah. that. Yeah. I used that one because it was the mountain one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the mountains are huge. I asked Jeeves and he provided a penis size check chart <laughs> with a few penis shaped outlines that you could print out. Your penis chart, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Jeeves. <laughs> he lifted a cloche <laughs> to reveal yeah. the penis chart. Sir, your chart is here. <laughs> if sir would kindly get hard so we can <laughs> measure sir's member. Measure. Accurately. Might I fluff, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Provided a penis-sized check chart with a few penis-shaped outlines that you could print out and kind of... <laughs> print out? And kind of stick your wiener on and huh? check. I got caught printing it out and had to have my stepmom and dad tell me I shouldn't worry about the size of my penis. Hmm. Aw. Thanks for everything. That's like a really understanding 
reaction from the from the parents or the it parent is, and the step parent yeah. in this situation. That's very sweet. Yeah, I think they probably did. They probably did like a parenting class at the Y. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, you would have to to have that kind of insight. And they tell you like, if your child prints out a check chart for penises, mm-hmm. right? Just sit him down and tell him not to worry. He has a monster crank. You've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened here, right? Also tell him he can just get a ruler, you know. Yeah, that too, I guess. (laughs) In its own way, wouldn't you say that the ruler is the original penis check chart? Mm -hmm. I sure Mm. would. Beautiful. And another time, in in an ancient day, it was probably... A branch of a tree that had been designated uh-huh. as the penis measurement branch or uh-huh. possibly the size of a certain stone or I don't know. Right. I think I'm now, I'll qualify this by saying I'm not Abyssinian. Okay. However, my understanding is that if you wanted to check on the size of your penis in ancient Abyssinia, you would compare it to the size of the king's foot. Mm. That was the official measurement. You right. use the size of the king's foot to check. You used it as a sort of penis check chart. Sure. Did you need to lay your penis against the king's foot to measure it? Or is it just kind of a known quantity? Yeah, I mean, whatever the verb you prefer is, lay, flap, flop, whatever it seems, you know, boing. <laughs> Whatever is the most, appra- look, that's for saints and poets. Yeah. You know what I mean? How fitting that our God is now Jeeves, right? Yeah. Like, oh, Jeeves, show me all the best TikToks, Jeeves. All these kids are on their phones in class, Chris. I don't know if you, right. all these kids just on their phones all day. They could be listening to their teachers. They could be talking to their ministers. Instead, they're on their phones. Jeeves, show me a check chart. Show me a check chart, Jeeves, for penises. That's what kids Help are doing now. Help me play in a false lemonade stand, Jeeves. Help Jeeves, me play I in my want false to be a stand. trucker. I want to be a trucker, but I do not wish to own my own rig. <laughs> Jeeves is smoky on my tail. <laughs> These kids today. Fucking oh, kids, kids, huh? I'm so mad. I need Listen, Jesse, I need to take some deep breaths while I think about how wicked... The kids today are. Can we take a little bit, a little bit of a break and come back for some more? We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. You probably already have a favorite animal. Maybe it's a powerful apex predator like the tiger or a cute and cuddly panda, and those are great. But have you considered something a little more unconventional? Could I perhaps interest you in the Greenland shark, which can live for nearly 400 years? Or maybe the jewel wasp who performs brain surgery on cockroaches to control their minds? On Just the Zoo of Us, we review animals by giving them ratings out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Listen with friends and family of all ages to find your new favorite animal with Just the Zoo of Us on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. La, 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 
Hi, I'm Hal Loveland. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. And we're the hosts of We Got This with Mark and Hal, the weekly show where we settle the debates that are most important to you. That's right. What arguments are you and your friends having that you just can't settle? Apples or oranges? Marvel or DC? Fork versus spoon? Chocolate or vanilla? Best bagel? What's the best Disney song? We Got This with Mark and Hal. Every week on Maximum Fun, we do the arguing so you don't have to. Oh, all answers are final for all people for all time. We got this. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Oh, and I, uh, Chris, do I have to come up with a new one or going to be the same one? You do no, not. you can use the same one. Look, okay, uh, Londoner Chris, about... You're in the Groundlings Improvise, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten how. Um, Businessman of, of the century. No, no, no. Londoner About Town is Londoner great. About it's Town? a great but... nickname. Okay. I love I it. I like Businessman of the Century, too, though. It's really good. I don't want to throw away the baby with the bathwater here. (laughs) (laughs) I got to save some of the bathwater anyway. Yeah, you got to fill those pants. (laughs) Pockets are getting light. (laughs) Chris, I really enjoyed checking out your podcast. It was a ton of fun. And I was excited to hear that you were recording the new season of Archer right now. Yes, yes. Have you heard anything at all about the fate of Hall of Mirrors guy, the star of last (laughs) season of Archer? I, Guy in Hall of Mirrors. I have not, but you know, that's uh, that's something that I probably wouldn't hear about unless he showed up in an episode and I were I were reading it before the record. So they only give you the sides that you're in. So you only no, get a few pages and then most of the pages have probably have Hall of Mirrors guys, so you don't get those pages. <laughs> uh, no, I think there's been a misunderstanding. I do get the whole script, Jesse, and, and I, okay. I do read my script. Right. So he, he hasn't so come which up part- yet. He hasn't come up yet. No. Can I ask you a question? Because this yeah, happens yeah. sometimes in show. I'm in show business. I can tell. I've got two television credits and briefly hosted a show for IFC 10 years ago. Here's my question for you. This happens sometimes in show business where somebody that's on a need to know basis and doesn't need to know will be given what's called a dummy script. Now, a dummy script is like the kind of script, it's like a false script that they would give to you because you're a dummy. (laughs) Is it possible that you're getting dummy scripts and then the regular scripts are coming to me eventually because they're going to have a bunch of uh, stuff about the Hall Mirrors guy, like you might get a name or... You know what, I... It's possible. I mean, I thought I was getting real scripts, but they could all be dummy scripts. I mean... Jesse, actually... Sorry, Jordan's getting a Jordan's getting a transmission. I'm here. getting a transmission. This is from yeah. this is from uh, this is from Mark Jordan, Mark head writer. Of, touch your ear again so have, you can hear the transmission. I have to get it to come in clear, okay. so I have to touch my ear. Okay, got it. Uh, this is Mark on the other line. Oh, uh, Mark Gannick, our friend Mark Gannick, yeah. the, yeah. the head writer of Television's Archer. So what he is saying is that he thinks that you know you could do a better job with Hall of Mirrors guys dialogue than the writers can, right? Because they're just hacks, you know. They're okay. just Right. You know, work a day, Joe's cranking out. Chris, you probably met uh, Mark at some point. The guy's a you hack. Know, I, I don't know that I have met Mark. Well, I mean, he'll be on the other end of a Zoom and you'll just yeah. know in your heart. Imagine a hack. This guy's a hack. So <laughs> what he, he's saying to me, and I don't know why he's saying this to me and not you, but just kind of go with it. Don't think too much. Well, you're the one with the earpiece Yeah, don't on, think too so much about anything I'm not wearing my earpiece going today. on. <laughs> Uh, what he says is that he thinks you could write better dialogue, so he just wants you to just make up, you know, a season's worth of lines, 
right. how he's going to get these lines is he wants you to whisper them into a tin can. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm a set for that. Bury it. I got one right here on my hot plate. Bury it at the beach. Mm-hmm. Wish on a star. Thank you. And then done and done. go under the blankies. And then he'll dig up the can and put it on TV. So I think Can if I you, check in with will you run this by Mark? Uh-huh. This is a one-way here piece. <laughs> okay. Chris, you'll probably end up on a Zoom with Mark because they gotta record your dummy dialogue. Can you let Mark know I've got the can? I'm gonna whisper the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Bury the can. Once the can's buried, I'm gonna wish on a star. Yep. So, so far, that's everything he's asked for. Right. And there's one more thing. I'm not going to do the blanky thing. That's bullshit. Oh, wow. Playing hardball, Hollywood. Again, I don't know if Mark knows about the six months of a 15 minute television show that I hosted. The great on IFC. Yeah. Basically, don't F with you is what you're saying, I think. Right. Yeah. Don't fart with me. (laughs) You know? Actually, I'm getting. I smell it. I'm getting another transmission from Mark. <laughs> yeah, he's saying that your demands are reasonable. <laughs> hey, look at that! And he's giving you everything you want and more. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I got one more thing for Mark. <laughs> oh, sure. I want real lines for Parnell because he's great on Archer. <laughs> he's, he's very, very funny You're on Archer. One of the funniest parts of one of the funniest shows. Yeah, it's my favorite show. Everybody knows that. It's my fucking favorite show. Chris Parnell's amazing on it. Wonderful television program. Very lucky to be a part of that show. And the podcast is great. It has one of those like genius, why didn't I think of that premises? <laughs> it is you as the host of a history show, mm-hmm. interviewing funny actors, playing mm-hmm. characters who are based on, you know, real historical people that existed. And you're laughing and you're learning. It's true. No, it's a great premise. Making real jokes. Yeah, past uh, Jordan Jesse Go guest, Julia Prescott actually wrote on this show. So she's, she's one of the funniest for sure. So definitely, if you're listening to this show, check out that show. I mean, it is a unquestionably a wonderful use of one of your great gifts, Chris, which is sounding sonorously sincere, then changing it 3% and sounding completely insincere. <laughs> It's a wonderful, wonderful gift you have. <laughs> Chris, your father was a radio broadcaster, right? Am I misremembering that? No, that's correct. Yeah, he was a, he was a disc jockey back in Memphis in the, uh, I guess the 60s it would have been. Was he ever worried that you were making fun of him? I don't think so. Okay. He, he used me sometimes. He ended up having a recording studio, and if he needed a kid in his commercials, he would sometimes use me or my sister. What was the best product that you advertised? You know, I don't even remember what the product was, but I, I only remember it because there's a cassette of it where something about wanting to be a quarterback like Joe Namath or something like that. I'm going to be just like <laughs> Joe Namath. Or... Is that why you're wearing that grand mink coat right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe Namath humor, Jordan. <laughs> well, my best Joe Namath stuff. That's all I got on Broadway, Joe. Chris, what an honor and a joy to have you on the program. We're so grateful to you for taking the time. You're one of my all-time faves. I know you're one of Jordan's, too. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It was very fun to do. The podcast is called This Job is History. It's real funny. It's real fun. You can find it in Wondery. You can find it in a regular podcast app a week later. 
You can already learn about milk stretching. I'm going to have to get my free week of Wondery so that I can hear about resurrectionists. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's the one that's that's locked right now. I got to know what the <laughs> fuck a resurrectionist is. You want to know. You do want to know. Trust me. Daniel Zafrin is our producer. Brian Sunny D. Fernandez, our producer emeritus. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design. Thanks to The Free Design. Thanks to their label, Light in the Attic Records. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jordan Jesse Go, on Twitter at Jordan Jesse Go, on Instagram at Jordan David Morris, and at put dot this dot on. And we will talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.